Morning, home church. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Look, I want to do a real quick special announcement, and I don't mean to embarrass this young man, but Ty. Ty got born again here at this church quite some time ago, and since then he's been on an awesome journey. He is now a United States Marine. Ty, stand up, man. Come on, stand up, man. U.S. Marine. So three months, three months basic, three months in a holding pattern, doing everything they wanted you to do, all the picking up the rocks and cutting grass and all that stuff, and then three months doing infantry training. So this man is truly a Marine, and God bless you, brother. Thanks for your service. Appreciate it. I told him last week when we talked about war and rumors of war, he would have loved it. He missed out, but that's okay. You can go back and watch it some other time. So that brings me to this week. We are now closing this series called Living Proof. And the whole motivation for me on preaching on, on this series was to give you all some peace. Because the world is falling apart around us. And guess what? It's been doing that for almost 2,000 years, actually going way back to the fall of man. We've been experiencing the world going crazy. And we can look through time. Ever since Jesus resurrected and ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father up to this day, the clock has been ticking to when he is going to return. And like John the Baptist was there to prepare the way for Jesus for the first time he came when he was born into this earth through the virgin birth as a baby, we are now, like John the Baptist, preparing the way for him to return when he comes back as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings to rule over this world. And so we're stuck kind of in the middle. We're in this age called the Age of Grace. And we've seen so much happen throughout human history where I guess you can put, point the finger and say, hey, this is the point where Jesus was going to come back. When the Romans sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD, that was exactly the moment that Jesus prophesied. He said that the temple, not one stone would be laid upon another. It would all be torn down. I'm pretty sure that believers in those days thought this was the end. We could fast forward through the medieval time, the bubonic plague, where millions were wiped out across Europe. I'm sure believers in those days thought that this was the end and that Jesus was coming back. Fast forward to the 20th century. We had the First World War that killed millions of people. On top of that followed the flu pandemic, killed millions more people. Then we had World War II and all the atrocities that happened through Nazi Germany and through the Japanese invasion of, of, of Asia. All those things that happened, believers at that point thought, well, this will be the end and that Jesus is coming back. And here we are now in the 21st century. We just got through somewhat wrapping up the war on terror, 9-11, and COVID-19, SARS, all these things, the Ebola plague, everything that we've been through over the last 15, 20 years. Man, now we're saying again, this is the time that Jesus is going to come back. And you know what? We're right. He can come back at any moment. We're getting to that period where I feel like in our spirit, we can kind of sense that the end is near. But as he said to his disciples, the end is not yet. And what that means for us is that we still have things to do. We as believers, as the church, because we are left here in the middle of all the chaos, have things to do. And that should spur us on to get the Great Commission out, to be Jesus to those around us, to love our families, love our friends, love our coworkers, love our fellow students, be who Jesus called us to be, and that is the light in this darkness. That's what should motivate us. Every time a bullet is shot off, a missile is fired off, 
every time North Korea fires an ICBM in a test, test missile, whatever is going on in our life, when we see these things in the news, that should help us, motivate us to do what God has called us to do, to do what Jesus called us to do specifically, and that is to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. And it's not just through our words, but it's through our actions, through our life and how we live, how we respond to the things that are coming at us. So week one, what I talked about was deception. Jesus took his disciples aside and said, listen, these are the signs of the end of the age. And the very first sign that you're going to see is people being led astray. And he said, see to it that you are not led astray. See to it that we are not deceived. Church, I believe there's some of us in the church, not this church, but the church that are being led astray. There are things that are happening. There are prophets and preachers and so-called pastors that are saying things that I believe they're leading people astray. They're leading people off the focus on Jesus, off the focus on the Great Commission, and focusing elsewhere, focusing on the signs, and they're being deceived. And Jesus said, see to it that you are not led astray. In other words, it's partially our responsibility to make sure that we're equipped not to be led astray. So how is that possible? Well, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, our helper that lives inside of us. And his purpose and intent is to remind us of the things that Jesus has taught us, right? So that's what the Holy Spirit does. But then our responsibility is to get in the word, to study the Bible, to know exactly what Jesus has been teaching us, which is his word. And if we know that, then the Holy Spirit can work with us and then we can feed our discernment that spiritual gift of discernment is more prevalent because we have more word built up in us. That where we can draw from that, the Holy Spirit can draw from that, and then when things come across, whether it's the news or the media or whatever, we can filter it out. We will not be led astray. The second week we talked about wars and rumors of wars. This second sign, Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And he said, see to it that you are not alarmed. You're not terrified. You're not in fear. And it's very easy when you hear of things like North Korea. You hear about the war with, between Russia and Ukraine. You hear about these things and you start to wonder, are these things going to come to our doorstep too? The fear, right? The fear that World War III is going to break out and we're going to be involved in that. There's this fear when we hear about these things. And what Jesus said is, see that you are not alarmed. Therefore, we're supposed to discipline our fear. We're supposed to be able to take that feeling that comes across us and push it aside and say, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid. And why? Because Jesus said the end is not yet. And if he said that about this age that we live in currently, then what he really also means is that for us as believers, the end will never be because we will live with him for all eternity in heaven. We cannot die we will die physically, but we will be with Jesus for all eternity. So we really will never die, merely fall asleep, as Jesus said. So why are we worried about the bomb? As the movie Oppenheimer came out on Friday, mankind has been equipped with the knowledge on how to destroy this world. I was reading uh, the other day how we have a nuclear submarine in South Korea right now. There's a ship out there, the USS Kentucky, which is an ICBM submarine that holds 20 ICBMs. Each one has 12 warheads on it that could destroy the world probably three times over. 
with one boat. It's ridiculous. That's the day and age that we live in. But we're not to be afraid. And we're to see to it that we're not alarmed. So here we are, sign number three. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to go about halfway through verse 7. He said, there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes. Last week I talked about how the deception and how war tends to be man's response to the fall. When Ab and Eve sinned and sin came into this world, then our response was all these things. Lying, deceitfulness, killing our brother and sister, murder. All these things is how the nature of the human flesh and the nature of sin that we now have is the response to the fall of man. Well, with creation, the earth and everything that God created, this is its response to the fall of man. Famines, earthquakes, and pestilences. The Bible says that if we don't cry out to God and worship him, then the rocks will. So not just us that look forward to Jesus coming back and saving us and reigning over this world, but it's also all of creation that's doing the same thing. We're kind of tied together in this. And so we need to respond to these things that Jesus says are sorrows, not just to the deception, not just the destruction because of war, but how do we respond to the disasters that happen? And in Oklahoma, let me tell you something, we may not experience war, we may be pretty smart, and I believe all of you are, so being deceived is probably not something that you're going to experience, I pray, but something that we probably could experience is disaster. We live in a very crazy part of this country. We live in Tornado Alley. We have earthquakes. Man, I told some people from California not too long ago that we experienced earthquakes, and they were like, what? In Oklahoma? Yeah. And earthquakes that would literally shook me out of my bed. There's a one a couple of years ago, I won't forget, I was like, is that an earthquake? And my bed is shaking as me, me and my wife are watching TV. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So what do we do when we experience disaster? When disaster comes knocking on our door, we increase our devotion. So I'm playing on the D words, right? So go ahead and fill your discernment, feed it. Go ahead and discipline your fear. And this week with disaster, I'm going to talk about increasing our devotion. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this day. I just thank you for everybody that's here this morning. Father, I just thank you that you're blessing us with your word, that you're blessing us with your peace that only you can bless us with, that you're blessing us with actionable items that we can take during this crazy time. Father, I thank you for the people that you've put in our world, people that we can reach out to and be Jesus to, Father. I thank you that this is a call to do that as we are counting down the days, literally, of your son's return. And Father, I just thank you that you got us in your perfect peace and protection. And I thank you that you open our hearts today as we receive. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So in October of 2007, I was traveling to Northern California. One of my jobs when I was in the pharmaceutical industry was to be a national trainer. I traveled all over the country. I had an opportunity to train 
uh, reps around, around our country. It was a great couple of years that I experienced. And I had the privilege of going to Northern California, which is absolutely beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been there, but Northern California is gorgeous. But I had an opportunity to train two reps out there. Uh, one was based in San Francisco, the other one in Sacramento. And I remember flying into San Francisco. I rented a car and I met the rep in San Francisco, spent a day with him. And then that night, as I checked into my hotel, I felt like, hey, get in my car and let's go down, downtown San Francisco, drive around the city, check it out, go eat dinner downtown. And I did all that. And as I was driving back, I was just admiring the sunset, just a beautiful place. And my hotel was near Candlestick Park where the 49ers used to play. And I remember checking into my hotel, getting in there. And as I entered the lobby, there was a buzz going on. People were, were chattering. There were some raised voices. And all the TVs in the lobby, there was the news, the local news. Even the national news was reporting it. Apparently, while I was driving around, there was a large earthquake that hit San Francisco. The epicenter was just outside of San Jose, and San Francisco felt the brunt of it, about a 5.6 on the Richter scale. And I was freaked out. I was freaked out because the world around me was literally falling apart, and I had no idea as I was tooting along in my car around the city. And that was crazy. And what hit me was, what hit me was this, is that in a chaotic world that we live in as believers, God's grace, wow, is tremendous. His mercy is tremendous. The world is literally falling apart around me, and he's got me protected. Not only protected, but I didn't even know it was going on until after the fact. How many of us are going to die and go to heaven, and Jesus is going to say, remember this day, remember that day, those are the days that I protected you. You didn't even know it. But I had my grace over you and you were protected and you were safe because I'm with you. And that's what struck me. And I'm going to tell you, I went to my room that night and I was on my knees praying, thanking him that I didn't get hurt, didn't experience anything crazy. <laughs> so the next morning, I got up and I had to go to Sacramento. So I had to drive across the Bay Bridge. This is the famous bridge that in 1989, when the last large earthquake hit San Francisco, that bridge collapsed, it's a double-decker bridge, and it collapsed, it killed lots of people that were driving between San Francisco and Oakland. So I was driving across that bridge and I was on the bottom level. And let me tell you something, I was praying in tongues and I was probably going 100 miles an hour over that bridge to get to the other side. So even though he protected me the night before, I was still has a little bit of fear, right? Like the world is so crazy and our world if we were to bring it down to our lives today, is chaotic. We're all dealing with something. Jesus is talking about famines, pestilences, earthquakes. These are major things that are out of our control. But how many of us in our lives right now are going through things that are seemingly out of our control? And we need him to protect us. We need to believe and understand that for us, the end is not yet. To put our faith and trust in him that's not easy to do. So here's what he promises. I'm going to go back to verse 7. He says, there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. 
That is a promise. That's not a promise that you and I want to hear, but a promise meaning he says it, it's going to take place. And in this case, it does. We've experienced a lot in the world's history since then, since he said those words. And these things that there will be, these famines, pestilences, earthquakes, these are things that create a ripple effect. It's really a ripple effect from the fall of man because sin is now in this world. It's almost like the world is trying to get revenge on man for what we did. That's what it feels like, like creation is trying to destroy us in these three different ways. So the very first ripple effect that we see is famine. That's what Jesus says, that there will be famine. There was a point in history, in human history, where we walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. That garden produced abundance and every need that they had, not only physically, but spiritually, because they were walking with God in perfect union. So the Garden of Eden was throwing up its abundance. Food, there was no famine. So here comes sin. And now it's like the earth itself has just shriveled up and said no more. Now you've got to work for it. And that's what God said, by the sweat of our brow, we're going to labor in this world. Now we've got to plant and harvest. It's on us. And because of the fall of man, the world and its climate is crazy. Go to different places in this world, you can experience different climates. Believe me, I've been through a lot of different climates, some that are abundant, some that are kind of so-so, like in Oklahoma, it's not the greenest, it's not the most mountainous and, and, and full of, of lush green areas, all right? I've been to places where they're jungles, and it is that, that much. And I've been to places where it's been desert, like Saudi Arabia, where it's like the sand is like fine, uh, fine sand, like beach sand, for miles and miles and miles, no sign of vegetation everywhere. It's crazy how this world is different. So because of that now we have famine. And because of famine, because the abundance has been cut off and we have to work for it and the climate is all jacked up around the world, there is famine and man is hungry. Man is hungry. So there's a need, there's an opportunity there. Remember what I talked about being vigilant as believers. Not just alert for the bad things that are going to happen, but be alert for the opportunity to present the gospel to somebody, right? And that opportunity comes when man is hungry. We have opportunities here in Tulsa. My wife and I had to go somewhere in North Tulsa. We went up uh, Sheridan. So going up Sheridan heading north, you'll start to see as we get out of kind of the nicer parts of Tulsa and, and Broken Arrow and Bixby and all that good stuff, as you head north, you begin to see the homeless increase in numbers. People that are just wandering around aimlessly are probably high on drugs. There's plenty of opportunity for us to go and be Jesus to those people and feed them, take care of them, buy a meal for them, give them a drink of water. And Jesus said, if you do that to man, it's like you're doing it to me. These are opportunities that we have when there is famine across the world, we have places here in, in our own city that we can serve and help man because he is hungry. Central America, Haiti, Africa, the Middle East, these are areas currently that are stricken with famine. Doesn't matter how many charities are out there, doesn't matter how many charitable events we have to raise money, doesn't matter how much money and resources are poured into this area, 
these places are still famine-stricken. There's still hunger in this world, and there will not be a relief from that until Jesus comes back and sets it right. The second thing, ripple number two, is pestilences. These are diseases. These are plagues. These are things that kill millions of people. We've seen that throughout human history. The bubonic plague, the flu, we just experienced COVID-19. These are things that are going to affect the world. Man is plagued. There's, again, opportunity to help people. How many of us left meals on doorsteps during COVID-19 for those people that are sick, right? How many of us prayed for people that we knew that were going through COVID or talked to them on the phone or through video chat to be there for them even though we couldn't physically be around them? These are opportunities, again, to increase our devotion, to love on people. So when disaster hits, we put ourselves aside and we help other people. Ripple number three is earthquakes. The earth shifts its plates and there is instability. It's almost representative of man being unstable because man builds their house on what? On sand instead of the rock of Jesus. It's very analogous to the fact that many people are not in the kingdom of heaven because they don't have not placed their faith in Jesus. Man is unstable. One of the areas that's probably the most unstable in this world is the ring of fire, which is along the Pacific Ocean, borders South America, North America, across to Asia and down. These places are on the ring of fire and is the most unstable. And what Jesus says is this, that this is just the beginning of sorrows. Verse eight, he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. We haven't seen nothing yet. These things that we're experiencing, the world is experiencing, it's just a preview of a coming attraction. Not really an attraction, but things that are coming. He says, these are the beginning of sorrows. Other translation, which is the ESV translation, says birth pains. And I explained this during the first week of this series, how the birth pains are getting closer to giving birth to a baby, those birth pains gets closer and closer and closer. So these things happen more and more and more. And we're seeing that stuff now. The flooding that's happening in New England right now, right? Earthquakes, I get an alert almost every other day of a big earthquake that hits somewhere in this world. These things are happening more and more. The tornadoes that we experience this tornado season. Heck with tornado season, we've experienced this summer these wind storms that we've experienced too here in Oklahoma, 100 mile an hour winds that stain for minutes, almost like a hurricane. We're seeing these things get closer and closer and closer. And what they're doing is they're previewing the tribulation. That's what's going to be birthed here soon, is the tribulation. Now, the tribulation is a great time of sorrow and disaster. Webster's Dictionary says, it's a state of great trouble or suffering is the tribulation. And that is what we are getting close to. But praise God, we are not going to be there. For those of us that are in Christ, we're not going to be part of this, but we're given a little bit of a taste of it. And that taste is meant to give us an appetite, an appetite to increase our devotion, an appetite to worship and praise God more 
an appetite to serve our fellow man and love them like Jesus would. Man always has an answer to the sorrows, right? With deception, we have these people called fact checkers now. They will check everything that is said. The fact checker that we're supposed to check the facts or those things that claim to be facts against is the word. But there are people that are professional fact checkers to make sure that what people say is accurate. Even then, people are still being led astray. With war, rumors of wars, there are peace treaties, there are agreements, there are accords, there are things that are signed by man to keep man from fighting and killing each other. And let me tell you something, no matter how many of those things are signed, we still see war and we still see things that are leading up to war happen in this world. Policies, now the government is getting involved in creating policies against climate change. It doesn't matter what we do, we're not gonna avert disaster. The world is still gonna do what it does. Temperatures are gonna rise, temperatures are gonna fall, there's gonna be weather patterns, there's gonna be seasons, and there ain't nothing that man can do about it. It's like we're trying to put a Band-Aid on cancer for all these things. It's useless. It's like we're boxing in the air, as Paul says. There's nothing we can do about it. What we can do about it is respond like Jesus would, like he's commanded us to. And that is to have his peace, know that he's with us, Know that as we follow him, he's got our back, he's got our front, he's got our sides. To continue to press into him and press on, to keep moving forward, the victory in the stretch, all the things that I have said this year, these are the things that God wants us to do in the midst of all of this. But the problem is with the church and with us, I believe, we're distracted. If it's not a global situation that we're distracted on, it's our own personal one. As our world is falling apart, we tend to be distracted. So how do we respond? We respond with devotion. And the big idea that I want to come across with this morning, if you're taking notes, is this, that a world of sudden disaster, we need to increase our devotion to Jesus. As war is breaking out, as these famines, earthquakes, pestilences, as deception is coming our way, all this stuff, Man, the main theme really is to increase our devotion for Jesus. It is whether we feel like it or not, it's time to get more involved. It's time to be more involved in the word. It's time to be more involved in prayer. It's time to press into him and get to know him more. It's time to pray in the spirit more. It's time that if you're questioning whether the power of the Holy Spirit is real or not, to be filled and be filled in speaking with other tongues. It's time if you're not born again to be born again. It's time to rededicate your life if you know you've gone away from Jesus and been led astray. It's time for all these things. The time is now. The time is now. If anyone wants an indication if Jesus is alive or not, or if he's real, this is living proof. All these things that are happening that he said were going to happen, which is leading up to his return, which is leading up to our rapture as the church. And that should get you excited. 
But I think we're really excited for that. We're like, Lord, our world is falling apart and all I wanna do is retreat and just wait for you to come back and get us out of here. And what he's saying is no, the end is not yet. We still have work to do. And every one of us has an area that we go to every day, whether it's your job, whether it's as a single mom in your house raising kids, whether it's being in ministry, whether it's a student, whether you're just kicking back and enjoying summer right now. We all have places that we are planted where God is saying, be Jesus to the people around you. And it has been my theme all year of saying this, and I know I've said it a lot, but this is where we are good soldiers for Jesus. This is where we put ourselves aside and we put away the fears of the world and we focus on what he wants us to do with the people that we have around us. So how? How can we do this? We are to be responsive to the needs of others. Jesus said, if you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. This is when we increase our devotion to Jesus means we are, increase our love and devotion to the people that are around us. There is so much that we can do for each other. It's called lay down your life sacrificially to serve those that are around us. I'm not talking about in Starbucks as you're in the drive-thru, you look at the drive-thru person and say, listen, that person behind me, I'm gonna pay for their coffee. All right, that's pay it forward, that's awesome. But there's a whole lot more that we can do as believers. How we can impact and affect people around us. When we had that freak July storm, 100 mile an hour wind gusts was recorded in my neighborhood. I have some guy who has a a weather thing um, in his backyard and you can actually log into it through an app. 100 mile an hour sustained winds in my neighborhood. Trees were falling down and branches were everywhere. And what I saw the next day were people out and about helping their neighbors. The response, right? And that's major, right? Something like that happens, that's kind of a major thing. But if we can train ourselves now to do something like that for other people when there's not a disaster, then when disaster does hit, we're gonna be ready. We're gonna know how to respond. And I think every one of us in here has some place where we can actually do that. 2013, the Moore tornado, I talked about that a couple weeks ago. The Moore tornado was something that was major, where it looked like somebody dropped an A-bomb on the city of Moore. And our church gathered people around and we went down and we served them. We just, we didn't even have a plan. We knew that we were supposed to go down there and help. And we just paired up with people that needed just help retrieving valuables out of the, out of the rubble. And the fact that we were there and they asked us, where are you from? Well, we're from this church and, and can we pray for you right now? Can we agree with you that God has a plan in the midst of all this destruction? Man, I got pictures of us praying with people and that was such an impactful thing. But see, before we can respond to something major like that, we have to be aware and look for opportunities to respond now when there's not a lot of craziness going on. Where can we serve others? Where can we increase our devotion to people that are around us so that when the big things do happen, we're ready? How about us, home church? The first Saturday of every month, we pick up trash. Like, 
the intent of me doing that, of putting that in place, of something like picking up trash in the city of Broken Arrow, was really not just to serve the community, but to train our hearts, to set aside time to help other people. And I think that's something that we can do in our own lives too. There, there are people that are around us that we can actually serve, that we can actually help. Miss Bernice, who's currently not here, but she is in a nursing home right now. There are people in this church that live near her that have been helping her because she's unable to help herself in many areas. They are devoting their lives and their time to making sure that she's okay and making sure that her needs are met and even now visiting her in the nursing home. That is what I'm talking about. That is how we increase our devotion. Because when we serve and love people, there's no greater living proof of Jesus than that. No greater proof. People are hungry, people are being plagued, and people have crazy lives and are very unstable. So we need to increase our devotion in loving them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 16, this is what Paul writes. He said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is the rapture. That is what we're looking forward to. That split second, one minute you're here and the next minute you're with Jesus. And it happens so quickly, like you don't even know it's happening until it's happened. That's how fast it's going to happen. He says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. There's your eternal life. The end will never come for us. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I've been preaching through Matthew 24. There's not a whole lot of comfort in those words. But with these words, there's comfort. We're hearing a lot of noise right now and it's going to increase. We've experienced a lot because the world is falling apart. But I want to comfort you with these words. It's to keep moving, keep loving people, keep pressing into Jesus. What, what that looks like for you, I don't know. But I know God knows, and I know that if you're seeking him, he'll tell you how. How to increase your devotion to Jesus. How to increase your devotion to serving others. The point is, Jesus is coming back soon, and that is a comfort. But not to rest too much in that comfort, because we still have things to do. We are not deceived, because we are feeding our discernment. As the Holy Spirit helps us, we're remembering God's word. It's our time with Jesus. We are not alarmed because we are disciplining our fear. We may feel it, but we set it aside and we keep moving. We are responsive to disaster by increasing our devotion for Jesus and for people. When we see a need, we're gonna be there to meet it. Whether it's through prayer, maybe it's financial, Maybe it's something that we can just give, food, something. We're responsive. That is who we are. And if we do those three things, 
then we are gonna be living proof that Jesus in fact is alive and he's coming back soon. That is how we're living proof. That's what I wanna leave you with in this series, is to remember that. Ready, please stand. I'm gonna close with a passage that I started out this series with. Paul wrote this to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter two, this is the message version. He says, do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living in the living, in the, of the living God. Carry the light giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all of this work for nothing. Living proof. What I can say about this church, and I wanna commend you all, is you all do a great job of being living proof. There are people that you have brought here that are now following Jesus. Most of you in this room volunteer in this church. Every one of you has encouraged me and those that serve alongside me on my staff. You all are doing a fantastic job of being living proof. And there are days when I feel like I'm not moving in the right direction where I feel like I can't go on anymore, that have given me words privately and publicly to increase my faith, to help my unbelief. You all walk the walk, not just talk to talk. And what I see in you all is an opportunity even greater outside these four walls to do what you do to each other and what you do for me and to take it to people you don't even know watch, just watch how God will use you. How you will see and experience somebody coming to Jesus. Can I ask this question? Please be bold. Raise your hand. If you've never led somebody to Jesus, can I see your hand? And it's nothing to be ashamed about. Maybe you've just never had the opportunity. Is there somebody in here that's never had that opportunity? I feel led to pray for you. Anybody? never had the opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus. You've all had that opportunity? I see one hand. Anybody else? Father, I just want to pray for that one person that raised their hand. Father, I just thank you that maybe there's people in here that haven't raised their hand, that you give them opportunities, Father. I know there is, again, some fear there when that opportunity is presented. But Father, it's not in our own strength, it's not in our own might, but it's by your spirit. We're able to do anything. And I just thank you, Father, that you bring opportunities to all of us, whether we've led somebody to Jesus or not, that you give us that opportunity, Father, so that we understand what it means to be part of those that are reaping the harvest. Father, I just thank you that everybody that's here, the people that they spend 
their life with, their time with throughout the week. That if there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus, Father, I thank you that you are allowing them to be living proof before their eyes and how they do life, how they conduct themselves, how they love people. That Lord, I thank you that everyone in here is the light of the world, the city set on the hill that cannot be hidden, Father. I thank you that they are the light and darkness. They, they will carry that light, life-giving message of the gospel to those around them. And Father, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.